0: Chris Ratzlaff, vocalist of Fallstar, is here with the antidote. Chris, thanks for coming, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. I've already mentioned that you're the vocalist of the band. What about giving us the rundown of the other band members?
1: Um. So then, there's my younger brother, Brian. Who plays guitar, and then Cody, who used to play drums for us on the Backdraft record, he now plays bass for us because he was a horrible drummer, so we had to move him to bass. <laughs> and then <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and then uh, and then Morgan plays drums for us. So he he started playing with us during Future Golden Age, and then he did drums for this record. But Cody quit our band when he had a baby, so then he rejoined recently for this record. So it's really nice to
0: have him back. Now that the baby's all grown up.
1: Yeah, she's six years old. She can fend for herself.
0: (laughs) So let me take a guess here. You're the demanding one in the band. You're the one that's telling everybody what to do.
1: Kind of. I don't know. I I more just do everything. So it's more like me telling myself what to do. And then I'm like, hey, guys, do you want to do this? And they're like,
0: yeah. You don't have to threaten anyone? no. No.
1: Yeah. I never did that. I think in high school, I learned my lesson with my bands in there. I was very like demanding and had to have things my way. And I just learned that it wasn't a great way to keep friends or anything. So.
0: <laughs> or was it your wife that actually taught you that skill? Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> she definitely fortified it. <laughs> Fallstar's been around quite a while. How did the band begin? Um, So we started in 2005. My
1: high school band had stopped playing. I was hoping we'd get signed to Tooth and Nail and be a really big punk band, (laughs) but then I um, just decided I needed to write my own music. So 2005, I started with my twin brother Jeff, and then another member who played bass, and we eventually just got band members from other bands around town and started playing. And then 2007, we released our "Your Eyes Don't Lie" EP.
0: Well, you know, the first time that I heard Fall Star was 2009. And that was on a compilation that included open hands. It's quite a difference from then to now with your sound. Gosh, yeah, it really is. I feel like there's so many incarnations of our band and style. (laughs) Is that album per album? You're getting that kind of a change? I think
1: we've kind of solidified. So I think we kind of found it like... Backdraft was the very beginning of finding the direction and sound we wanted and then Future Golden Age was refining that even more and this record just makes so much sense like stylistically like this is this is what we sound like like this is our sound which is nice to have our own sound like we vary a lot with like different songs and stuff but I think now every song we put out sounds like Fall Star.
0: Well then how do you feel about your older releases? Like, what about the band's follow-up, Reconciler, Refiner, Igniter? Is that one still in your good books?
1: Oh, no. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really happy we did it, but I think it's a combination of a couple things. We toured on that record so long and for so many tours. Like, that was when we were touring, like, five months out of the year, and I'm just so sick of those songs, but also I'm not entirely happy with the way they came out, so like the writing process and like I was I wasn't happy with a lot of the stylistic choices that we made creating that record in the first place so yeah that one's not really one I'm super like into and when I listen to it now it's not like oh this was fun i remember this is like oh my god turn it off turn it off
0: <laughs> what you're trying to say is that if i actually include a song from that you're going to send me hate mail
1: yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> No, you can, though. It's fun to hear the evolution of styles. But yeah, I don't think it's representative of what we are trying to be now.
0: (laughs) That's what I would say with every band, because everything is a learning curve. The initial product and the final product are two very different things.
1: Yes, yes. And it just took us a very long time to get there.
0: (laughs) You brought up the 2013 release, Backdraft. You had a lot of success with Shallow Believer. You even brought in Matty Mullins of Memphis May Fire for vocals. Was yeah. that a highlight for you guys?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I grew up playing shows with Matt, like he was part of a band called the Monroe. And then he also did this band, Nights and Fire. And our scene was very connected with the Spokane scene. So I knew him from, I would say 2007, we were just playing shows together a lot and doing little runs together. And like, he would always stay at my house. Like Even with the early days at Memphis Mayfire, they would stay at my place. And then we'd stay with him at his apartment in Spokane, and we'd tour through there. So it was like kind of a natural thing to be like, oh, well, what friend do we want to be on this record? And he was down for it. So yeah, it was kind of nice to have him there.
0: <laughs> That's so cool.
1: Yeah. And it's cool to see him just have so much success. Like He just took some big risks going down to Texas or wherever they were from to do the Memphis Mayfire stuff, and he's very professional.
0: Would you ever want to be that successful or that dedicated or focused on it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was always my goal. It just took me a long time to find musicians that were that dedicated as well. Um, He connected with, like, Kellen, their guitar player, which was awesome, an incredible songwriter, and, like, I was never able to find other musicians of that caliber so like it just took me a while to be able to learn that for myself and be able to craft those songs and write the music that way so yeah but yeah I would have loved to do that for like my only income just make music and just do that yeah but it just didn't work out that way so it's sometimes a little bit of luck sometimes taking big risks I didn't want to move away from Portland and looking back on it I think I could have done that or should have done that if I wanted to pursue it as a career but I don't know, you just kind of learn this stuff as you go, and no one's really telling you how to make a career in music, and there's not a clear path, so it's really tricky to figure out how to do it, I think.
0: (laughs) When you started the band, wasn't Portland like a real hotbed of music?
1: Yeah, it was unreal. Portland, South Washington, like our scene growing up, like maybe from 2007 to 2012, was just unreal. I had no idea that. Other scenes weren't like that until we started touring so much to see, like, other local scenes. And ours was, like, two to three hundred people per show, and we're playing, like, four times a month. Like, (laughs) we were really lucky to grow up with that.
0: I read a quote from you, Chris, that was in a 2011 edition of HM Magazine. Mm. And you said, Sometimes the Christian culture lacks a cunning message when speaking about what we know to be true. So here it is a decade later. Do you still think that applies?
1: I don't think so. Um, Yeah, I think there's enough bands and art being made in the Christian world nowadays to where, like, I don't think that applies. I think what I was looking at was probably, like, when I was growing up, there wasn't that sort of message that really resonated with me. There were some bands, like, maybe P.O.D. hit the nail head, but, like, as far as like widespread like music that could connect at least for me and my generation of kids growing up i i didn't think it was there but now when i look at like my peers who are making music and the incredible amount of bands that there are like you could say it's very oversaturated with amazing bands and i think that's an awesome thing so i would say i don't agree with that statement anymore <laughs>
0: Well, I think maybe that last point sort of ties into a song from Future Golden Age, where the song Radio says, this craft was meant to edify the world, not degrade it. We do it for the good. We do it for the art. That's why you'll never catch us spinning on the radio. Mm -hmm. But it also makes me wonder why you make the music, because obviously it can't be the money. (laughs) Yeah, I will
1: write songs and make records until i die i'm pretty sure i just have to do it like i wake up in the morning with songs in my head and all day long i'm thinking of lyrics and guitar riffs and i just have to do it <laughs> like whether there's a reward for it or not like which the reward is amazing i absolutely want people to see my music and that's the best feeling in the world so i definitely want that would i ever stop if i don't get rewarded for it I think the biggest reward is the writing of the music and the creating of it. And I just can't stop. Like, that's what I have to do to be happy or have any satisfaction in life. I just have to do that.
0: <laughs> so I guess what you're saying is that you're actually doing this writing for yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I have some friends who write with the intent of it, reaching the most ears as possible or gaining the most, like, mass appeal as possible and i respect that like i think that's a valid way to make income and do art but like i'm not motivated to do it that way unless i was getting paid a ton of money maybe i could but it doesn't satisfy the same urge as writing music that i want to listen to like i want to write my favorite album (laughs) every time i write because that's what i'm going to listen to the most so (laughs) that's what i'm after
0: are you ever concerned as an artist to be making something that's going to appeal to the listener. Yeah, yeah. I, but does the listener have control over your output? Right, yeah. So when I'm
1: writing music, I think of it as a, a shared experience a lot. So if I'm going through a song and trying to figure out what fits best for the song, I often imagine myself from the stage. And like, I'll turn off the lights in the room when I'm listening to demos, and I'll stand up and I'll pretend like I'm singing or screaming the song. And if I can imagine the audience, like what the feedback will look like, and what the movement of the crowd would be, and how I can include them in that music, I'll make decisions based on that imagination or that vision. So in that way, I do. And then as far as like choosing music, I have a very wide range of songs that I like to write. Like I can do hip hop, I've done country songs, I can do grindcore, and I write music within the huge spectrum of sound. Like... A ton of genres, but I do pick the songs like for Fallstar, it has to be heavy in the metalcore kind of genre and it has to make sense. So I'll select songs based on that. So in that way, I select music based on what I think would be appropriate for an audience to have as a package to listen to.
0: I do get that, but of course, you have a lot of variation in the sound mm-hmm. of Fallstar mm-hmm. styles sort of ease their way in and out of each song, yeah. <laughs> That's why it took us so long to find the Fall Star sound
1: because there is themes within those different styles that we have in every Fall Star record that keep appearing and unifying those songs to be cohesive on a record. <laughs> but it's hard to do. It's kinda of hard to explain how to do it, but that's what we try for.
0: Fallstar had a long six year break between Future Golden Age and your new album, Sunbreather. What happened?
1: Well, I got to writing right away for the next Fall Star record after Future Golden Age came out, and I just couldn't write anything good, like whether I was maybe burnt out on heavy music or just uninspired, or I don't know, or I dealt a bit with depression in that period. Uh, I just couldn't write anything good. So I think the first chunk of writing for this record, Sunbreather, I wrote 63 songs And one of them I ended up keeping for this record. I just couldn't write anything interesting or compelling. So I took a break. Then I wrote the Northlander record, which those songs came really easy. Then I wrote a ton of music for that. And then I wrote for a bunch of other projects. Mm -hmm. So I just took a ton of time collaborating with other people and writing other projects, kind of getting those out of my system. And then when I came back to heavy music, I was able to write again. It just needed to be that long of a time. Like I hate that it was six years, but... I couldn't make anything that I felt good about putting out or that I was proud of. <laughs> yeah. It just took that long. It sucks.
0: <laughs> I love this Fallstar quote about the new Sunbreather release: the greatest album record of music in the history of anything all-time top ten. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to assume that you're happy with the new release.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I stand by that quote. I think it's the best. <laughs> best record ever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why is this one stand out for you from the past releases?
1: Um, I think it was just that I had matured in songwriting and resolved myself to keep this heavy music in pop structures, so verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. So everything's tight and no song is longer than it should be because I absolutely hate long songs. And I feel like I did that a lot with a lot of songs I've written in the past. So I cut out anything that's boring or didn't make sense. And also, these songs are just woven in really well with hooks, whether it be music or vocal hooks. And they just like weave in and out of every song so well. Um, And I think it's just really, really heavy, but it's also really, really catchy. And I had some help from some friends in town who do this band 09 and then the guy who produced our record justin abel and they're really good songwriters so i like sent the demos to them and got a ton of notes back and we just sharpened everything as sharp as it could be and i still listen to this record now and i'm like man this is so cool so
0: i don't know how i will top it in the future (laughs) that means retirement is looming
1: no 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 (laughs) it just means worse records are coming in the future
0: (laughs) You know, a moment ago, you spoke about depression. And on the album, you're pretty upfront about that. Was it difficult for you to include the song, SSRI, Feel Better Already?
1: No, um, it wasn't. It just felt like something that a ton of people deal with. And so it just made sense to include it. It was like part of my experience for the last five years. And um, it just seemed like something good to write about. I felt like it's destigmatized enough to where it didn't feel risky to put it out, which I don't care if it feels risky or not, but it didn't feel that way, so it wasn't hard, I don't think. The pills just changed my life, so I've been on them for like a year and a half now, and I think I was existing with a decent amount of depression for the last like 15 years, and it could have helped me a lot sooner, so maybe it'll help someone out there kind of question their reality a little sooner and maybe save them some time. (laughs)
0: But maybe it won't work for him, too. So you never know unless you try, I guess. Bring up another point. Sunbreather is a thought-provoking album. I mean, much of the album, I think, alludes to Black Lives Matter and really the hopeless in society. And I really don't want to ask this, but I've got to bring it up. Do people have enough compassion to care?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think so. I think it just takes... A lot of awareness and learning about other people and other folks' experience. And so, while I don't think any of my music is going to change anyone's mind, or like it's not potent enough with information, I don't think, to really educate someone and spur that real change, I do think the value in our songwriting about those subjects is more to just like help people question. Things or maybe be like, oh, why are they talking about that? Like, our message is more along the awareness side, hoping to push people to to find out more. So, I think when people are exposed to folks that have different um, life situations and experiences, it really helps us to understand that that there are these problems and exposes them. So, I think it is with education and living life along with others who have a different experience that is where the change happens and i've seen it and i've seen it in myself a lot too like where i've grown a lot just by like taking the time to learn what other people are saying so i feel like if it can happen with me and i've seen it happen with others then i believe like our whole society can understand it i think we're in a tough place right now and i think it'll be even harder to break down like when things are politicized like that but i think it
0: can happen Well, really, much of that comes up in the song King Laser. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's brilliantly well done. Thank you. (laughs) It did take me a little while to realize that you were equating BLM with the life of Christ. Yeah. (laughs) Will people accept that kind of comparison?
1: Uh, Yes and no. We've already seen in a lot of comments and messages that some folks are unhappy about that, but it's just the way I see it it's just an interesting perspective, I think, to take on. And so, at least if someone's never thought about Jesus in that way, maybe they can. <laughs> maybe that'll help like, give them some more compassion for people, or maybe it'll
0: make them mad, but hopefully the, the former of those two. <laughs> <laughs> in other words, your response is, suck it up. <laughs>
1: Those are your words, but yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> you know, here's something odd. I went to Google and typed your band name. I thought it was hilarious when it called Fallstar an alt-contemporary Christian band. I mean, seriously, would you ever call yourself that? Ooh. <laughs>
1: yeah. I just wish people could just call us a rock band <laughs> or like even a metal band just water us down to like the most easy way possible just like rock metal something like that (laughs) so you're not worried about labels no no i prefer to not have them that'd be nice or if we are going to have labels i want it to be very very complicated so new metal hardcore post hardcore um new wave punk like just put as many genres in there as possible too i think that's more interesting as well (laughs)
0: But not alt-contemporary Christian.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) As much as I love Stephen Curtis Chapman, I don't think we're in the same boat. (laughs) That's hilarious.
0: One of the album's singles, The Prism Glass, says, I exist somewhere in between the lion and the lamb, the cure and the disease. I exist somewhere in between the colors and the shades, the heart and the brain. Oh, life is gray are you content with gray?
1: Um, I think more what I was trying to say, as opposed to saying like, whether like I'm hot or cold or like black or white or colored is more to say like that existence is nuanced and to approach life with that perspective. So if I'm looking at another person, and they have different views than i do instead of putting them into a category like basket of deplorables or something like that like our hillary clinton would say <laughs> um, i would say that a human is so multifaceted to to look at those things and we're looking for the common ground in those to find the connection and then if we feel like there needs to be change we can dialogue from there and also with as far as like accepting ourselves so, like, I'm never going to be, like, the devil, and I'm never going to be perfect like Jesus. So, like, I'm going to exist somewhere in that space, and that's okay to not be perfect. And I will never, absolutely never be, like, this evil creature. So, I exist in this middle space, and I, I have these human flaws and human failures and biology that are working against me in some cases, and so just doing my best within that middle area is good as long as I'm trying to like help others. So in that way, I guess I would be content to be gray as far as like accepting that I will never be perfect, but I'm trying to do my best, I guess. So it's more like self-acceptance and not trying to put too much pressure on yourself while still being motivated towards lightness, I guess, and love.
0: Well, let's finish up with the title track of Sun Breather. The song brings in a resolution. I need the light, I need the air, I close my eyes. Can you feel it like I feel it? Mm-hmm. Do you feel that you were required to say that? Or is it honestly how you feel? Oh, these are great questions. I like to bring in the hard ones.
1: Yeah, it's good. I mean, I, I don't feel required to say I. That was just what came to me when I was trying to write lyrics for that song. And the music just really fits it. Like you close your eyes and it's in like moments of meditation or prayer or like um, reflection where like you feel like you're opened up to the light and the goodness of the world and like the love for our world and humanity. And like that's what makes me at least feel connected. Like spirituality would be like your connection to others and to the world And that's what I guess makes me feel whole. And so it's those little moments where you're just like, yes, like, this is what I need. Maybe I had my priorities in other places that weren't really filling my soul. I'm trying to put into words that little moment of clarity where you're like, yes, like, this is where I'm supposed to be. I don't know how to answer that question in a concise way. But it's just that little moment in time where everything kind of makes sense and you're like realigned on what your direction should be, I guess.
0: It's pretty clear that Falstar is making a statement with Sunbreather. Give me your honest opinion now. Do you think people are going to change? Or I should say, change for the better?
1: Well, as far as listeners, I think so. I only say that because the bands that I've listened to some of the music that I've listened to has really changed how I think about the world and my perspective on life in a big way. Like music has very much influenced me in good ways and some artists in bad ways. But so I hope our message in art will help listeners. And I think a lot of our listeners expect that sort of thing, that encouragement or challenge from us. So I do think it will. Um, As far as the world in general, I don't really know. I mean, if we look historically, like, things are getting better as far as, like, you know, infant mortality and stuff like that and, and like, starvation, like, the amount of people starving in the world is becoming less and less. It's still an enormous problem. As far as, like, saving our environment and stuff, I really don't know. I would say I hope. <laughs> I hope that everything will be better and that will you know, like, our, our country right now is in a very horrible divided state. I hope it can be better. but. We've seen in the past that it can get a whole lot worse, and I know that's a very real possibility. So all I can say is I hope things get better, but I would put it at 50-50% chance that it can get a whole lot worse and that we might just destroy our planet. Like, that's a very real possibility. It doesn't stress me out the way it does for a lot of other folks, but I can definitely say, like... I believe it's a very strong possibility that it gets way worse, but I'm hoping for the best and doing the, what I can in my community to make it better and try and raise children that will help others and help our Earth survive into the future.
0: Chris, thanks for this talk about Fallstar and have a good run with SunBreather. Thank
1: you so much. Good talking to you, Dave, and appreciate you taking the time to talk about this record, the, the greatest record of all time. <laughs> <Doesn't matter laughs>